people of New Jersey, in their infinite wisdom, have now twice elected a conservative Republican governor and a liberal Democratic legislature. They're like the 13-year-old kid in the basement doing a science experiment, saying, let's mix these two things together and see what will happen. From WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, it's the Christie Tracker. I am a walking, breathing miracle. A walking, breathing miracle. Elections do have consequences. It matters who sits in the Oval Office. Let's not kid ourselves that all we have to do is build a wall, and that's going to fix all our problems. It is. I'm David First. Governor Christie was back in Iowa this week. He's been left for dead in the Hawkeye State, with polling numbers placing him near the back of the pack. But he's hoping a group of Iowa Republicans will help him sing a new song. We'll hear about the governor snagging some big endorsements from the Iowa business community and what that might mean for his campaign. A bit later, we'll hear from Joel Ashbrenner, reporter with the Des Moines Register, who has been following Christie in Iowa. Right now, though, we're joined by Matt Katz, who covers Governor Christie for WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio. Welcome. Thanks, David. I want to start with a story you broke this week on Jamie Foxx. And uh, no, not the Oscar-winning actor. I'm sure he's never heard that before. This is the Christie cabinet member, former United Airlines lobbyist, longtime New Jersey political operative, and as you explain in your reporting, a guy who was linked to both the Bridgegate and the chairman's flight scandals. Jimmy Fox is this classic Trenton operative, been around for decades. He's a Democrat, but he has lots of Republican friends. And he is currently Christie's transportation commissioner. And now he's linked to two of the most notorious scandals to hit the administration, Bridgegate and the so-called chairman's flight. So we learned this week that a couple of years ago, in the fall of 2013, when the lane closures had just happened, Fox, we don't know whom he was really doing this on behalf of, but he started calling Democrats in the legislature and he wanted them to back off on their investigation of Bridgegate. And after Bill Baroni, the uh, Port Authority Deputy Executive Director, who was forced to resign in the wake of Bridgegate, he, he had given this testimony and uh, Fox thought that after the testimony, the investigation would end and should end. When it didn't, he expressed anger to a number of people. This is curious because at the time, Fox was a lobbyist for United Airlines. He was also friends with David Sampson, the former Port Authority chairman. So if you follow me for a second here, federal investigators are now looking into this separate scandal involving the chairman's flight. They're looking into whether Sampson asked United Airlines while Fox was a lobbyist for United Airlines to establish a flight route from Newark Liberty Airport, which is owned by the Port Authority, to Columbia, South Carolina, where Sampson has a weekend home. So now Fox was a lobbyist for United when this deal allegedly was made to create a flight for his friend Samson. At the same time, he was also making phone calls to Democrats, asking them to back away from the Bridgegate scandal. Jamie Foxx's name seems to keep popping up this week. There's this Politico story showing uh, Christie contradicting the words of Jamie Foxx on the health of the state's transportation trust fund. Back in April, Fox said that we're in crisis in Whippany this week. Christie says there's no crisis. Fox is the transportation commissioner. After a year of Fox warning that there's a crisis in the transportation trust fund, uh, this is the fund that pays for 
uh, bridge and, and, and road repairs in the state. Uh, he says there's a crisis. It's bankrupt. Christie, his boss, comes out yesterday and says there's no crisis. The fact that there's a crisis is ridiculous. It's a media-created crisis. So now there's suddenly space between Christie and his most important commissioner over perhaps the most pressing issue facing the state, and that's the condition of roads and bridges. Fox has called it a crisis three times in the last year, according to Politico, including as recently as April. Use the word crisis. So Jamie Foxx is uh, in, in, a, in a world of uh, controversy and intrigue right now related to this transportation trust fund, Bridgegate, and the chairman's flight. It'll be interesting how all this transpires in the coming weeks. Is Jamie Foxx somewhat untouchable? I mean, he's worked for Democrats and Republicans. He worked for three out of the last four Democratic governors, as you reported. He works for Christie now. In your reporting, you talk about how Republicans and Democrats, even those who have doggedly pursued every nook and cranny of the Bridgegate story, have been reluctant to ask questions about Fox. He is one of these New Jersey characters with invisible power in that regular people have never heard his name, but he has these longstanding relationships, friendships, respect. And I was told in some corners there there is fear when it comes to him, that, and that he has a long memory and that he uh, has access to power. Uh, he did an interview a few months ago where he talked about legislators who do the right thing by a governor can get a road paved in their district. And there's also some concern that if legislators don't do the right thing, they could face some sort of retribution. We will be there to help you when the time comes. Mm -hmm. If you stand up for us for the right things, we'll be, they'll stand up for you in a campaign. There are a number of those conversations that take place. I remember, you know, on a couple issues, I remember sitting across from a legislator saying, this is important for X, Y, and Z reasons. And, um... Sometimes you do it because you have a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you do it because, you know, <laughs> they get the road paved in their <laughs> district. And maybe that's why, so far, Fox has not come under any scrutiny from Democrats for either the Bridgegate lobbying since my story aired. There have been no calls for him to, to resign, no calls for him to testify before the Bridgegate Investigative Committee. By the same token, given the Port Authority chairman's flight scandal, there have likewise been no calls for him to resign or even come before a committee to answer questions. There hasn't been a single press release from a Democrat. I asked Ray Lesniak, who's likely going to run for governor. He's a, he's a Democratic senator. He's one of Christie's harshest critics. He said we should, we should let the federal investigation proceed and then, then, then figure out what to do. That's not how they handled Bridgegate. They did their own investigation concurrently. I think uh, relationships matter in Trenton, and Jamie Foxx has those relationships. I have no indication that Fox did anything illegal. Fox's attorneys say he was just talking with people about Bridgegate. Could have been just friendly political advice, like, you know, you really don't want to pursue this. I don't think it goes anywhere. It's not going to work for you politically. But it seems that more questions would be asked if this was somebody else. Matt Katz covers Governor Christie for WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio. Thanks for joining us. Thanks.
This is the Christie Tracker Podcast. I'm David First. Governor Christie was back in Iowa this week. He did a town hall, picked up these uh, big endorsements from the Iowa business community, including uh, CEO of the Summit Agricultural Group, Bruce Rastetter. We have decided that we want to move forward endorsing Chris Christie for president. We caught up with Joel Ashbrenner, reporter with the Des Moines Register, who has been covering the governor this week. And we spoke just after Christie's town hall event in Alden, Iowa. So thanks for coming tonight. I appreciate it very, very much. Joel Ashbrenner, welcome. Thanks for having me. Prior to the announcement about the endorsements, the Register reported on how Governor Christie has been winning back the support of the team of Iowa business leaders who tried to recruit him to run for president back in 2012. These are uh, folks whose support for Christie faded prior to this current election season. It became very clear to us that that same reason that we flew to New Jersey in 2011 exists today in even a greater way. Can you tell us about this crew? Sure. It's a, it's a group of six uh, Iowa businessmen who flew to New Jersey on a Bruce Rastetter's private jet in 2011. Uh, they went to the governor's mansion and had dinner with Chris Christie asked him to run for president. Uh, it was at the time when uh, you know, some were looking for a challenger for Mitt Romney. Uh, Christie said at the time that he wasn't ready. So this is a, a group of, of donors who once courted uh, Christie to run, and now he's courted them and, and is able to sign them on uh, to his campaign. You know, I had a reporter ask me yesterday, how did I feel? Because her impression was that four years ago, these gentlemen were chasing me. And that four years later, I was chasing them. And how'd that make me feel? Did that make me feel weaker? And I said, you know, I don't know. I have a pretty realistic attitude about this stuff. I don't really care who chases who as long as we wind up being married. (laughs) The businessmen who are giving the endorsement uh, haven't said a lot about why they're doing it yet. It could be partly because Scott Walker's leaving the race. They think this is a time where Christie could use a bump. So clearly they're supporters of his and see this as a time when when maybe he needs uh, the endorsement most. All right, so how big a deal is this for Iowa Republicans? Ultimately, what do these endorsements mean? Will they have an impact? For the average caucus goer, it doesn't seem like a lot. Uh, I've talked to several um, likely Republican caucus goers tonight, and across the board, they said, you know, they don't really care uh, who um, businessmen endorse. You know, they care more about um, how a candidate appeals to them. All the, all the people I talked to said, uh, you know, we're pretty spoiled in Iowa here. Voters get a lot of face time with candidates. So what really matters to them, what they really value is how a candidate appeals to them on a personal level. In terms of polling numbers, you know, Christie has not been performing well in Iowa. But this week he says he's committed to competing in Iowa. Can something like this, like these endorsements, spark a change? Well, one thing political observers have told me is this could actually convince him or motivate him to uh, visit the state more. You know, these backers might say, you know, listen, we're backing you. If you want to win, you need to be here. And and he's only been in Iowa about 16 days so far this year. That's uh, less than half the time he spent in New Hampshire. So I think a lot of the perception among Republicans here is that he hasn't spent a lot of time in Iowa and that uh, maybe an endorsement like this could change that. You know, you mentioned that he's not doing terribly well in the polls, but, you know, when you go to his events, it's clear that he has a lot of name and face recognition. He draws uh, fairly large crowds compared to some of the other candidates, gets a lot of people coming up to him at events like the state fair or farmers markets. So it's evident that he's got some name and face recognition, um, and it's just a matter of him turning those people into actual supporters. 
And from what we've heard talking to voters and political observers, uh, endorsements like you know real estate and agriculture millionaires maybe aren't uh, uh, something that matters so much to them. I've vetoed more tax increases than any governor in American history. Now, I can't take credit for that myself all alone. I needed a Democratic liberal legislature to send me all those tax increases to veto. What would inspire voters in Iowa to take another look at Christie? Well, I think a lot of people are wondering, um, you know, if Donald Trump slides and, and he has slightly in the polls recently, does that create an opportunity for Chris Christie? I talked to one voter tonight, a 28-year-old man, Austin Bayless from Altoona, Iowa, who said, you know, he had been on Trump's uh, bandwagon until a few weeks ago um, with Trump's comments about Carly Fiorina's uh, appearance. And now, you know, Christie's among his top candidates. And so I think that illustrates the opportunity for Christie among those caucus goers who value a blunt kind of straight talking person uh, who maybe have had favored Trump and, and now are looking elsewhere. Joel Ashbrenner, reporter with the Des Moines Register. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. The Christy Tracker Podcast is a production of WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, thanks to associate producer Joseph Capriglione. Our theme music is by 29-Hour Music People. You can subscribe to the Christy Tracker Podcast on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and you can follow Matt Katz at MattKatz00. That's Matt, K-A-T-Z. I'm David First, and we'll finish with some of the harshest words from the governor yet on Donald Trump, responding to Trump's comments on 60 Minutes that he would build a beautiful wall along the border with Mexico. Do you really care whether it's beautiful or not? I want to know, because somehow this seems to be something that Donald thinks is a selling point, that it's going to be beautiful. You know it'll have his name on it. That much you know for sure, right?